We finished up chapter 8 last week, so we're going to be starting John chapter 9 tonight. And get ready for this. The plan is to do the whole chapter of John, chapter, chapter 9 tonight. The whole chapter. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. We're going to go through John chapter 9 in its entirety, Lord willing. Okay? <laughs> Lord willing and if I don't go in down any rabbit trails. So we know that, that that can always happen. So John chapter 9, starting with verse 1, it says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So I've entitled the teaching tonight, Blindness, Healing and Revealing. Healing and Revealing. Well, what do we know about blindness? Blindness, it can be temporary, uh, blinded by the light. There were some well-known songs from the 70s. I won't go into those songs. I'll spare you that, but it can be temporary. It can just be for a short time. That does happen. You guys know that. You get out in the sun. I, I was on my way back from Bertha today after working at the building. Got out in the Jeep with the top down, turned the corner, and yikes, you know, the, the sun just blinded me. So we can have this temporary blindness where we just go blind for a short time. We can have progressive blindness that over a period of time, we lose sight. Uh, how many of us here over the age 50 have experienced that to some degree? Yeah, it happens, doesn't it? The, the eyes just don't work like they used to. So it can be progressive. It can also be permanent. Some event can happen. You know, we could be in some kind of an accident, some kind of a disease, uh, any number of reasons through health that we end up losing our sight. Uh, diabetes is a real concern uh, when it comes to our sight. So we can have a time in our lives where something happens and we start going blind and it becomes a permanent uh, situation. But we see in our text tonight, this man was blind from birth. It was congenital blindness. He'd been blind since birth. Now, that's hard. Can you imagine you have lived your life for some length of time and then you go blind at least you have these mental pictures you have these things that you can remember that you know leaves are green and you know what green is you understand it sky's blue and you understand what that is but being blind from birth that point of reference is gone completely other than someone telling you oh the sky is so beautiful today and it's blue you really have no idea what blue even is, do you? There's no point of reference there for you. So the colors are, are just gone. There's no uh, chart of colors for you to reference 
to, you know, when someone's talking about it. So you're listening to people talking, and they make reference to something like that, and you just, you don't have any idea. You don't have any idea what they're talking about. But to see, to see has two basic definitions. To perceive by the eye, which is visual, or by sight, which we all know, but also to perceive by knowledge, understanding, something that's taught or learned. So we can see visually, but we can also see by learning something, can't we? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know, as I've experienced across the street as we've been doing construction, putting up drywall, putting up walls, running electrical, I see how things are done. I am learning. I'm not learning well. I'm not learning fast, <laughs> but I'm learning. You're seeing how it's done, so we can learn from that. But also, the other is sight, and that's what we're going to be dealing with in the case of this blind man, blind from birth. So, there's going to be several things that we go through tonight, and I'm going to try something a little different to move through John chapter 9, because I was going, okay, if I'm going to tackle this whole chapter, I've got to break this up so that I can keep moving, you guys can stay with me, and we can advance through John chapter 9. So the first heading that we're going to look at is Jesus teaches the disciples. And we read that already. Uh, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. This man's blind. He's probably sitting at one of the gates of the city. Most likely he is a beggar. Why was he there? Whether his parents, as we see, they, they kind of come into this uh, uh, little story uh, later on. His parents may lead him there every morning and set him down so that he can beg. We don't know. He may have lived on his own. We don't know that for sure, one way or the other. Uh, we know that in our society today, many blind people are able to move from point A to point B uh, with very little guidance. They get to know their surroundings and the place that they live. So he could be living by himself and just making his way to this place at the gate uh, you know, each day. Uh, as a beggar, uh, we just don't know for sure, but we know one thing's for certain, that he was blind and that he was in a place where as Jesus was walking by, he saw him. Uh, verse 2, his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. So there, there's two issues here. First, Jesus was dispelling the Jewish belief that all deformities and disabilities were the result of a specific sin, uh, whether by an individual or his or her parents. See, that was kind of the teaching during that day. The rabbis even were teaching that if you had some physical handicap or deformity, then it was because of some sin in your life or in the sin in the lives of your parents was handed down, and that's the reason that this happened. It was a very common teaching in that day. So, in the general sense, these things did come into the world as a consequence of sin, but they're not a direct punishment for an individual sin like the scholars believed at that time. Does that make sense? So, second, there's been teaching over the years that have gone along with this. That's, uh, Jesus never said that God created the man to be blind so Jesus could cure him. Now you could see, you could look at that picture and you'd think, oh yeah, this was all a setup. God created this guy blind so that 
At this point in time, Jesus could walk by, see that he was blind, and heal him. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was that his condition was what it was and it allowed the work of God to be displayed in his life. So it's an application of Genesis 50-20 in what the enemy had intended for harm, God intended for good. I think we just look at it that way. He was blind. He was born blind. Verse 4 says, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus illuminates the world. Healing and revealing darkness. He's going to be healing the darkness that this man experiences by being blind. And he's going to reveal the darkness in other people's lives because of their sin. We can be blinded by our sin, can't we? Uh, I can't think of any songs that have been written that were just directly blinded by my sin, but it seems like it'd be a great song. Jesus heals the blind man. We see Jesus teaching his disciples. Now Jesus heals the blind man. Verse 6, When he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. So we've got an object lesson for us here. Imagine that you're blind. Work with me here. Close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes and just imagine you can't see anything. You're blind. You can hear me talking, but you can't see me. Same with this man. He could hear conversation going on. His hearing, his senses were uh, very aware. So he could hear conversation going on, but he couldn't see anything. Same with this man. The way we'll see in verse 11, this man was blind. Uh, when he said, when he asked, how were your eyes opened? He answered, a man called Jesus opened my eyes. So there was enough of the conversation that he heard that he knew Jesus was the man. Maybe he even heard of some of this discussion between the disciples and Jesus. You know, who sinned, this man or his parents? Maybe he heard that. So he heard enough of the conversation that he knew it was Jesus. So what does he hear next? Close your eyes again. Here's what he hears. Stay with me. Now imagine yourself in this guy's sandals. Wait a minute. What is going on? What's happening? What's going on? You're sitting there, you hear this conversation, it appears to be about you, you can't see what's going on, you hear somebody spitting, rubbing their hands together, and then what's going on? I feel something clammy on my eyes. You can open your eyes now, you get the picture. This, this whole scene is just kind of weird for the blind man, isn't it? Because he hears this going on and all of a sudden, <laughs> there's mud in your eye, right? Glenn and I were kind of laughing today because, again, with all my skills that I have when it comes to work over there, we had to drill a hole over the back door to mount the outside light. So I've got a big, long bit. I've used this thing before, so I know it goes through brick. And I get about three-quarters of the way in, and it's going nowhere. It has come to a dead stop. It's obvious I've hit something steel in the brick wall. So, we got a meeting of the minds and decided 
by some means, I don't know how, let's go 18 inches higher and we'll be totally out of that, whatever that is, you know. <laughs> kind of totally expecting to <laughs> hit it again, but we didn't. All the way through, things are good. But we have this other hole that's a very apparent and it's right down there. So Glenn and I were laughing because all, all on the top of the door was all this brick dust where we had drilled through the first one. And I was like, I got an idea. We stuffed some styrofoam in there. Thought, we got to make it look like the stucco. So I spit in it. <laughs> I told Glenn, this is my lesson tonight. <laughs> this is it right here. Thank you, Lord. You know, it didn't work. It was the wrong color. But, you know, you get the picture. So this guy gets mud all over his eyes. And then he hears the voice of Jesus. Now, I know that most of us would probably say that we haven't heard the voice of Jesus audibly. Maybe some of you have. But that still small voice that we receive through the Holy Spirit, there's a calming effect when Jesus speaks to us, doesn't he? Either through his word, through prayer, uh, through the counsel of others, through his, uh, you know, as we pray, whatever it may be, Jesus' words have a calming effect on us. So this guy just gets the mud on his eyes, it's caked on there, and he hears the voice of Jesus. Jesus says to him in verse 7, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now I find it interesting here that what's the first word that Jesus uses? Go. Now think of the power in that word as we know the power that Jesus has. We've looked at over the past few weeks Jesus with his I am statements, the power behind those. So when Jesus says, go, you go. <laughs> you should. If you're going to be obedient, you go. Now if he just says go, and there's a pause, obviously you're going to wonder where. So he tells him where to go. Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. Now, I talked about the trip to Israel. When we were in Israel in 2007, we saw all of the gates on the Temple Mount. So you know where those gates are. You see them. And so we also saw where the pool of Siloam was. So now we have a blind man with mud on his eyes and has got to make his way from where he is at one of the gates to the pool of Siloam. Jerusalem was always busy, lots of people there. It was going to be very tough to find his way. But he was being obedient. So I almost picture, you remember when you were a little kid, guys, and we had the Tonka toys and trucks and stuff, how we can, you know, we can move those babies around wherever we wanted. I almost feel like that's the way it was with Jesus, the hand of Jesus leading him to the pool of Siloam. He got there. That in itself is miraculous because it was a distance away and a lot of things to navigate through. So he goes to the pool of Siloam and, and washes his eyes and he came back seeing. So right away we should notice some things at work on this man's part. Uh, hope. Hope is at work here. Could this possibly work? The desire to have it work. He put the stuff on his eyes. Go to the pool and wash. The text doesn't anything say anything about, and you won't be blind anymore, does it? He just tells him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. So the anticipation for this guy is probably, maybe, maybe I'll see. There's a hope that I might, for the first time in my life, be able to see. There's also trust. 
even though this sounds totally crazy, so totally nuts, you just put mud on my eyes, now you want me to go wash in a place that's a long ways away, so we'd have to trust in what Jesus was saying in order to get there, right? So also, so hope and trust, also faith, faith is at work here. He didn't even know who Jesus was, but he was willing to try, wasn't he? He was willing to step out in faith and try it. There's also believing going on. He had to believe a little bit to even try it. He was believing. And also, as we've said, obedience. He's being obedient to the last thing Jesus told him to do. There's a lesson for us, right? Be obedient to the last thing that Jesus told you to do. What did he tell this guy to do? Go and wash your eyes in the pool of Siloam. And he did. And we saw the results. He came back seeing. Another, another miracle has taken place. Another miracle of Jesus. So far in the book of John, we've seen six recorded miracles. Water into wine in John chapter 2. Had those clay pots. Told the servants to fill them with water. Water turns to wine. The servants had to see that. They had to know what happened. It was a testimony to them, wasn't it? Most of the guests had no idea. They thought he just saved the best wine for last. So water into wine, the healing of the official son in John chapter 4, where he came to Jesus in another town. The son was in another town. My son is dying. So he bothers Jesus for a little while, bugs him for a little while, and then Jesus said, go your way, your son lives. You know, that long distance healing that we saw there that took place. That was miracle number two. Healing at the pool of Bethesda, John chapter 5, where the man was lame, right? Laying around the pool. Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? Pick up your mat and walk. Jesus got into trouble for that one, though, didn't he? Because it was the Sabbath. The religious leaders didn't like that, that he was doing that. So then we see the feeding of the 5,000 in John chapter 6. With these five loaves and two small fish, he fed the masses. Huge miracle there. Walking on water later that night, John chapter 6, this huge wind, Jesus comes walking on the water out to the disciples in the boat and says, don't be afraid, it's me. You've got nothing to fear. And now we see the healing of this man born blind, the, the spit, dirt equals clay, the mortar. Jesus is going to be in trouble again because on the Sabbath you weren't supposed to work. And he made mortar, didn't he? So he's going to be in trouble again, as we'll see as we go. But in all those miracles, one thing we can see is he never did the same thing twice, did he? There was no copying, you know, what Jesus did there. How many of you have seen the faith healers on TV? You know, <laughs> I got this. You know, they do the same thing every time. People fall over and supposedly they're healed. Maybe some of them are. I'm not going to rule that possibility out, but I, the guy just has too much hair that does that. That's all I can say. So... As we've seen many times before in the book of John, there's proof from the Old Testament in prophecy that would confirm who the Messiah was by his works. And we've talked about that before. I mean, we're up to the ninth chapter of John, and we look at the number of times we've seen Jesus doing a work, and you just think, duh, it's right there in the Old Testament. How, did, how are you guys missing that? You know, you're supposed to be uh, schooled. You're supposed to be the rabbis, the ones that are learned and know all these things. And yet, what are they? They're blind, aren't they? Isaiah chapter 35, verses 4 through 6 
Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped, the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. For water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Do you see some prophecies there that have come to pass and will come to pass in the ministry of Jesus? The first one, John 3.17 says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He will come and save you. It's right there. And Isaiah also says, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame leap, the dumb speak. All works that Jesus has and will perform in His ministry. And they're missing it. So we see that, that this man is healed. Jesus teaches His disciples. He heals this man. And now, as we go into verse 8, we're going to see that the man is questioned by acquaintances. Neighbors, friends, uh, other beggars maybe at the gate. We don't know. But these acquaintances start to question Him. Verse 8 says, Therefore the neighbors and those who previously had seen that He was blind said, Is not this He who sat and begged? Some said, This is He. Others said, He is like Him. And he said, I'm he. It's me. <laughs> so now he's walking around seeing. He's, he's healed. And the people that, who had seen him before ask, isn't this the guy who was blind? Isn't this the blind guy who sat and begged? It could be him. It, it looks like him. We're just not sure. And he said, hey, it's me. It, it is. It's, really, it's me. It's me. Therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? What happened? Give us the details. We want information. We want to know how this took place. What happened? Well, he answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. You know what I like about this guy's testimony? It's factual, isn't it? It's just like what happened. He didn't embellish it. You know, he didn't try to build himself up in any way, try to give himself the glory. He was giving all the glory to this man called Jesus, and that he, he did exactly what Jesus said, and this is the result. He was blind, but now he sees. Verse 12, then they said to him, where is he? He said, I, I don't know. Well, they wanted to know, where is he? We want to see him. What might he do for us? Now keep in mind this blind man has never seen the one who healed him. All he has done is, is hurt him up to this point. He's never seen Jesus. So the man's questioned by his acquaintances. Now he's going to be questioned by the Pharisees. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. Who brought him there? Hmm, I don't know, somebody. Somebody brought him to the Pharisees because they knew that they needed to pass this on and tell this to the religious leaders. They need to know that he is claiming to be healed. They need to know some man did this to him. Now it was a Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Healing someone on the Sabbath. That's going to get Jesus in trouble. It has, it's gotten Jesus in trouble before already, right? You're not supposed to do any work. Now that's, that's one of those 
laws that was added on at some point in time where they said, okay, you know, if you spit in dirt and make mud or clay, it's just the same thing as making mortar, which he was used to lay bricks. So that's working on the Sabbath. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and how ridiculous some of these laws were to prevent people from being productive in any way whatsoever on the Sabbath. Now, you know, let's not totally come down on the religious leaders. They were doing it with good intentions. They really believed that by having the people do this, that they would take that day and spend it focused on God. It didn't always work out that way, but that's what they hoped. Verse 15, Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, I washed, and I see. <laughs> very factual, very straight to the point. This is what happened. Therefore some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. The others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such, such signs? And there was a division among them. Why? Why was there a division among them? Well, we see some thought one thing, some thought another. That happens with Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus still causes division amongst people today. It's interesting how in our day we can speak the name of God and people don't really seem to be too offended, right? I mean, look at all the movie stars, musicians and all. They accept their award. First, I just want to thank God, you know. Oh, great. You know, and you're going to go out and party the rest of the night. But every once in a while, you'll hear one stand up there and say, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And you go, yeah, that's what I like to hear. You got that going on right there. Tim Tebow. Got to love Tim Tebow. Not everybody loves Tim Tebow, but, <laughs> but you, you got to love him for his, uh, how he stands for the Lord. He has no problem with telling anybody in any interview I just want to thank my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And that's to be commended. He's standing strong for his Savior. But you bring up the name of God, eh, people really aren't too offended by that because you're not specifically saying, what God are you? There are lots of little g gods out there that people have. So Jesus causes division. He caused it back then. He still causes it today. They say this man is not from God because he does not keep the Sabbath. He doesn't do what we say he should do. Oh, he's obeying God. He is God. Why wouldn't he? How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? Nicodemus may have been one of those guys, right? We saw the whole Nick at Night interview back in John chapter 4, excuse me, John chapter 3, and Nick was there and he was questioning these, these things because he had seen Jesus doing miracles. The text tells us that. So Nick may have been one of the guys saying this. You know, if he's a sinner, how does he do such signs? And so they have a, a division among them. Some were adamantly against him. Some were just confused. But nevertheless, there was this division. Verse 17, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him because he opened your eyes? He said, he's a prophet. In verse 11, he refers to Jesus as a man. And here in verse 17, he refers to Jesus as a prophet. And this parallels what we saw before in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well, stated when she said, Sir, I perceive you are a prophet. Not, not quite ready to call him Messiah yet, is she? But a prophet. 
So the Pharisees question the man. They get the answers. Now they're going to question his parents. Verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. They didn't believe until, the text says, now they at least believed he was healed because in verse 19 they ask him saying, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered them and said, Well, we know this is our son and we know that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we don't know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him, he will speak for himself. So the parents are just giving facts now, right? It's the facts as they know it. Here's our son. This is our son. He has been blind since birth, but now he does see. He has sight. And his parents said these things in verse 22, we see, because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was the Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. That was a real danger back in that day, uh, to be put out of the synagogue, because a lot of the business that they would conduct, a lot of the uh, services that they would receive or supply, were based around this fellowship in the synagogue. So if you were removed from the synagogue, that cut off some of your livelihood, because the people that were a part of that synagogue wouldn't have any relationship with you. They wouldn't do business with you. So that hit him right, at, right in the wallet is where it hit him. So he's of age, ask him. So now they question the man, they question the parents. Okay, let's call him back in. Let's question the man again. Verse 24, so they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give God the glory. We know that this man is a sinner. This man they're referring to is Jesus. You want to give God the glory because this Jesus that you're talking about, he's a sinner. We recognize that you were blind, and now you see. So let your testimony be that God has healed you, not this man. If you give God the glory, we'll forget this whole thing. We'll forget this whole thing even came up. God healed you. We'll move on from there. So what does the man say? He answered and said, Well, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now there's a song we probably remember, right? I once was lost, but now I was found, was blind, but now I see. We all know that. The man saying, I was blind, but now I see. That's what I know. I don't know whether this man was a sinner or not, but here's one thing I do know. I was blind, now I see. Then they said to him again, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Now this kind of gets humorous at this point for me, because we see the boldness of this guy. And how he now approaches the Pharisees. And some of it, I think, is because they didn't want to have anything to do with him before when he was blind. Uh, he really doesn't want to have anything to do with him now, does he? <laughs> so he gets very bold here. What did he do to you? How did he open his eyes? They, they continue to drill him with questions. Their focus is on finding out what Jesus did wrong in their eyes. Not on what Jesus did right in the eyes of this man. Did you get that? They want to see what Jesus did wrong in their eyes, not what he did right in the eyes of this man. They're missing the opportunity to rejoice with this man in the healing from his blindness. That's, that's like totally out of the picture. They're not rejoicing with him. 
well, this is a wonderful thing. It's a miracle. You know, that's not where they are. They want to see what Jesus did wrong. Because they themselves are blind to the work that Jesus had done. So, they, they, the Pharisees question the man. The Pharisees question the parents. The Pharisees question the man again. Now the things change because now we're going to see the man question the Pharisees. Verse 27, he answered them, I told you already and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to be his disciples? <laughs> now I don't know. I took a little liberty there, okay? I don't know if that's the way he said it, but it, it's almost like that's what it infers, doesn't it? It's kind of a little bit of a jab. I told you once, you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You want to be his disciples too? Huh? Huh? Yeah. It's hilarious. This man has become very bold in his newfound sight, in this new relationship that he has with this man, Jesus. It doesn't take new eyes to see where the Pharisees are coming from. These Pharisees, who were the custodians of the Jewish faith and law, and no one dare question them when it came to their devotion to God and the law, did they? No one dare question them. They were uh, very pompous in their th thought process and the way that they were devoted to God. So I think he's taunting them a little bit here. I think he's using a little first century smack. <laughs> oh, do you want to be his disciples as well? <laughs> then they reviled him and said, you are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. Here they go again, playing the uh, Moses card. They did that a couple weeks ago in our study. They say, we know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we don't know where he is from. Jesus has already told them where he's from, but they refuse to believe it or accept it. So the man answered and said to them, why, this is a marvelous thing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he has opened my eyes. Basically, oh, he can perform miracles, but you don't know where he's from. Hey boys, haven't you done any background checks? Haven't you checked this guy out at all? This man who does miracles? You don't even know where he's from. And then he goes on to say, Now we know that God does not hear sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does His will, He hears Him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God... He could do nothing. He's bringing it, isn't he? He's, he's preaching. He's telling them how it is. <laughs> the boldness of this guy. You know, because you look at this text and you read it and you just think, well, no, somebody else is talking now. I mean, does this guy have this kind of knowledge? Since the world began, it's, it's been unheard of that anyone had opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This sounds a lot like what Gamaliel told the other religious leaders in Acts chapter 5, doesn't it? If this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But it, if it is from God, there's nothing you can do to stop it. Well, they answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins, and you're teaching us? And they cast him out. It just appears to me they didn't take it very well, did they? <laughs> They, they were not very happy with him schooling them. He, he, they just got totally schooled in their own synagogue, the way I see it. So they cast him out. So the man questioned the Pharisees. 
Now our next topic, we're going to see Jesus teaches the man. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So he went from calling Jesus a man in verse 11 to calling him a prophet in verse 17 to now calling him Lord in verse 38. The progression of this man, the progression from being blind to seeing physically and the progression of him being blind and now seeing spiritually. And Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and those who see may be made blind. The man was blind and now he sees, physically and spiritually. And yet these custodians of the faith, the Pharisees, these very religious leaders were still spiritually blind. But Jesus teaches the man. Jesus shares with the man. The man comes to believe in Jesus and who he is. Lord, I believe. Now we're going to see Jesus teaching the Pharisees as we finish up. Then some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are we blind also? Jesus, you just defined two categories of people. We heard that. So which category are we in? Those who are blind may see those who see may be made blind. So Jesus, what's your accusation? Are, are we blind? Is that what you're saying? We're blind? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. You don't see your sin, so you don't see the Savior. You are blind to the one who can actually help you to see physically and spiritually. He's just proven that in the life of this man. So, quick summary of this chapter. Stay with me on this. Jesus sees the man. Jesus helps the man see. The man proclaims he sees. But the Pharisees just don't see. His parents see he, that he sees. The man sees that the Pharisees don't see. Jesus seeks to see the man. The man sees Jesus. Jesus says the Pharisees don't see. There's a lot of seeing going on here, isn't there? So in this text, we have this man who's blind. Jesus can and does heal him. But it also takes faith on the part of the man to carry out what Jesus required for him to be healed. Jesus had specific instructions, didn't he? Could Jesus have just said, you're healed, and he'd be healed? Of course he could. But he put the mud on the man's eyes, go wash in the pool of Siloam, the man came back seeing. It took faith on the part of the man to carry out what Jesus required for him to be healed. To overcome the blindness and to be able to see clearly, he must be obedient to what Jesus said to do. This man, we knew, was suffering from physical blindness. Sometimes, maybe, we are like the Pharisees, that we suffer from spiritual blindness. What might we, you, I, be blind to tonight? What is it that you can't see because 
of your spiritual blindness. Maybe you're blind to a decision that you need to make. Maybe you're blind in a relationship that needs correction. Maybe you're blind to a situation or a sin that you're stuck in and do not know how to get out of it. Jesus wants to heal your blindness. And he wants to do it by healing and revealing. To be healed from that, it needs to be revealed to us it's an issue. And sometimes we're blind to that, aren't we? We just don't want to see the obvious. We don't want to be in a place where we know we're falling short in something and confess that to the Lord. We're blind to it. He wants to reveal that to us so that He can heal us from it. He, he has an answer for us, but requires faith on our part to see it. Amen?